The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. God, we just thank you so much for your word and the power that it holds, in particular to change us, God, to change us from the inside out and to shape and to mold us to be more like you. And I just pray that that is the ultimate heart and desire of every single person in life, that we would become more like you, Jesus. And that as a result, God, that we'd be able to live out those plans and those purposes that you have for our life, but we would be able to be your hands and your feet to a generation and a community and, and a city that you know, just so desperately needs hope and needs a relationship with you, needs salvation, God. And we are the answer, God, as the church. And so we just thank you for that, God. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to make a difference in this world, God. But to be able to make a difference outwardly, God, we've got to first have a change happen on the inside, God. And that happens most of the time through your word. And so we pray that that would take place, that there'd just be a revival on the inside of us, on a spirit and a heart level this morning morning through your word and we may we never be the same again as a result of hearing your word this morning in Jesus name amen 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 if you're taking notes I've entitled this sermon a story worth telling and a story being your life a story worth telling question put your hand up who loves a good story. Put your hand up if you love hearing good story, as I thought, fairly unanimous. That's most of us. You know, it's always fun when you get together with somebody and you start telling stories. You know, I've got to tell you about the time when. Did you hear about? Do you remember when? You know, we all like a good story. In particular, we love to share stories about ourselves, do we not? I mean, me, myself, I love telling stories. Stories. I'm my own biggest fan. You, you're your own biggest fan as well. But being honest this morning, you're your own biggest fan. I'm my own biggest fan. We love sharing stories about ourselves. We love sharing those stories about the time when we did something stupid. We did something embarrassing. Remember that time when I overcame that hurdle or that obstacle. We all love sharing stories. We all engage around stories. You guys want to hear a funny story this morning? Yeah, Yeah, quick one. Quick funny story. Funny story, Jesse, he's, oh, he's a fairly newborn, probably about 11, 12 months old. We're up at state conference. We're up there for the ACC uh, conference that was up there for our movement. We are in a three-story, three, three I think it was a three-story apartment. And uh, I had just taken Jesse upstairs and I put him in the middle of the lounge room. And then I headed back downstairs to grab all the gear because that's what you do when you're a chivalrous man. You grab all the gear and you bring it up so your wife doesn't have to. Only problem was, I forgot to communicate with Mandy that I was going to leave Jesse there and I was going to go down and get the bags. And so she thought, naturally, because I took him up, that I would look after him and she would bring up the bags. So I'm downstairs getting stuff out of the boot of the car. I turn around and Mandy's there. And I'm thinking, this is not good. I'm like, what are you doing down here? She's like, I'm getting the stuff out of the boot. What are you doing down here? And I'm like, I'm getting the stuff out of the boot. You're supposed to be looking after Jesse. No, you're supposed to be looking after Jesse. And then just click the panic starts to set in because we're three stories down and we've left the front door ajar as well because we wanted to make it easy for whoever's carrying the luggage to be able to get in. So we've got a little bubba, 12 months old, by himself in an apartment, three stories up. So we just bolt back upstairs. And lucky enough, he wasn't on the stairs anywhere, which is great. So that meant he had to be in the actual apartment. But when we got in there, no sign of him. 
Nowhere. He's gone. So we start freaking out, as you'd expect. We start, you know, just frantically running all around the place. We're checking rooms. We're in the, uh, the bathroom, the toilet. We're in the kitchen. Nowhere. We meet back up. Panic starts to set in even more. It goes to a whole new level. We decide to go around again because he's got to be here. So we start looking again. And I went into the bathroom for the second time. Didn't see anything. It was just as I was about to turn out that I heard just like a little giggle. And I'm just like, that's Jesse. I could tell his laugh from a mile away. As a dad, you can tell these things. And like, I'm like, phew. Suddenly, the emotional roller coaster is starting to calm down a bit. We found him. I couldn't, still couldn't see him, but I heard him. So I'm peeking my head in the bathroom, and I'm looking there. The shower's the first on the left there. There's a wall straight to the left, sorry. And then you've got the shower to the right. You had the sink and then the toilet. So it was only a fairly small bathroom. Still couldn't see him. And then just over in the corner beside the wall and the toilet, I just saw this little head bobbing up and down. I thought, oh, isn't that cute? And so I walk around, and I'm a lot calmer now. Obviously, we found our child. He's okay, but he's facing the wall. Then he actually turns around, and that's when I had the second heart attack. Because out of his mouth was a massive clump of hair, human hair hanging out the front of his mouth. And I'm just sitting there, it looked like a dead gerbil or a ferret hanging out the front of his mouth. And I'm just like starting to dry reach, and I'm just thinking, who the heck was staying here before us? I'm like, Chewbacca from Star Wars? I'm like... It was no word of a lie. It was brown and black, and it was hanging out. He's just got a big smile on his face. He's just munching away, and there's just saliva coming down, and that's mixing in with the hair, and you know, probably like the five-month-old shampoo that's all nutted in there, and all the rabies and everything else, the little fungi that's growing in there, and he's just dribbling. He's just munching away. He's like, this is the best thing since sliced bread, and I'm just freaking out because this is someone else's hair in my child's mouth, and it's big strands of it as well. So I run over, and I'm, I'm shoving my hand in his mouth and I'm trying to pull it out. He's bawling his eyes out because he's just like, he's dad to ruin all the fun. Like, this is the best toy that I've had in the 12 months that I've been alive and you're just ripping it from me here. And I've got my hand down his throat and so he's dry reaching because I'm trying to get this stuff out and I'm dry reaching from the smell of it because it was absolutely rank. I don't know how long it had been there for. It just stunk. And I'm crying as well because I'm just like, mate, we're the most neglectful parents ever. I'm just like, we don't, obviously don't feed you enough. That's why you have to go and munch on other people's hair. I'm just thinking, you haven't even had your tetanus shot. You're going to need about 50 after this. I'm just panicking. And eventually, we got it all out. And it was really hard, too, because he had two little teeth coming up. And it was all caught behind the teeth. So as I'm yanking it out, the poor kids, I'm just yanking his teeth out as well. It was just gross. It was absolutely gross. But anyway, he's still alive and he's doing well. He occasionally walks around. He's got a bit of a tick and stuff like that. But apart from that... He's doing really well, and uh, I just want to say, I just want to say that we're doing well as a family, and uh, our kids have not eaten anyone else's hair for at least two months now, so we're clean for two months now. We're clean. So I'm proud of my family. It's a good story, wasn't it? Yeah. It has nothing to do with my sermon whatsoever this morning, but I just wanted to prove the point that we all love a good story, do we not? You enjoyed that story, yeah? We all love a good story. Here's the thing. One of the things that fascinates me most as I reflect back on the story of my life so far is the life-defining impact that the certain choices have had on my future bigger picture of my life. So as I look back in retrospect and I cast back over the years that have gone past and I look at the choices that were made, it really astonishes me how much those choices have really just affected 
my whole life up to this point. In particular, even just some of the small, the small seemingly insignificant choices, it's amazing. And that's what it looks like in the moment. But as you step back and, you know, in retrospect, you see, wow, wasn't so insignificant. And even if it was, just the kind of impact that those, even those small choices can actually have. I want you to write this down this morning if you've got a pen and paper. So much of our life story up to this point, that's you and I, so much of our life story up to this point, whether you're aware of it or not, is influenced by and the byproduct of the sum total of our choices. Let me read that again. So much of our life story up to this point is influenced by and the product and the byproduct of the sum total of our choices. Basically, meaning it should be up on the screen up there, that it's the choices that you make or have made in the past that have led up to what your life story is today. You know, we've all made some great choices in life. Hopefully, there's more good choices than bad choices. And although it's not always easy to make the right choice or to make good choices, they're still the right choice. But I understand, I know, there's been some tough choices I've had to make in my life that I know were right in the moment, but they were not easy. But in making those right choices, it's changed the trajectory of my life. I know there's been times where I've been heading down a path for whatever reason that was not going to serve me well. And I know in that moment, I had a choice to make, good choice, bad choice. I choose to make the good choice. And it's changed, literally changed the trajectory of my life and put me on a different path that ultimately has served me well and has blessed me as a result. And as a result of that, I can now stand here and I look back at my story so far and there's certain pages or possibly even chapters of my story that I'm proud to tell because I made the right choices and I've been able to impact my life and my family's life and others around me in a positive way because of the good choices that I've made. And I'm sure there's plenty of good choices that you've made like that in your life. But then there's the flip side. We also have parts of our life or shall we call them pages or possibly chapters, again, of the story of our life that we don't like to tell and we don't like to share at all to anyone. Or maybe it's not so much that you don't share those particular pages or chapters with anyone, but maybe you've edited the original script of your life. You've changed things up a bit from the original script. And that's ultimately because there's moments... There's choices that were made and didn't have great outcomes. And as a result of that, it's left you either ashamed or regretful of those pages and those chapters in your life, or in the same token or in the same breath, going back there and revisiting that, that's too painful. That's too painful. And we've probably, if we're all being honest, we've had moments, pages, chapters like that, that are full of wrong decisions. And as a result of wrong decisions, it's caused a whole heap of pain and heartache. And there's chapters and pages in the story of our life they'd rather forget about. It's just too painful to revisit, or we want to change. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, would have been four or five years ago, me and my wife, we headed down from Newcastle. We were ministering up there for four years with a great senior, um, senior pastor couple up there. And we'd head down to or head down to Campbelltown to help my father and mother-in-law with their church plan. I'd only been going for a year or so. And I just remember coming off the back of probably about eight or nine years of being in ministry. And to be honest, not saying that it was easy, we had some tough times, but ministry-wise, in terms of fruitfulness, we'd seen quite a fair bit, if we're being honest. And that's just the, the grace of God over our life. It wasn't anything to do with us and our great leadership or anything like that. It was just the hand and the grace of God over our life. But we honestly 
most of the things that we were part of and touched had really flourished. And so we were just coming down to Campbelltown thinking, well, that's just the way life's always been. That's the way that it's going to be. And so we were really excited and we've got high hopes for this church and only been, as they're going for 12 months or so. But um, we were really believing for big things. And, you know, we couldn't have been more wrong. We had no idea at the time, but it was going to be five of the hardest years of our life on multiple areas, not just ministry-wise, but family and marriage-wise. It was all going to take a toll. And I just remember coming down and we just sowed and we sowed and we sowed into that church and we just gave our lives as we always do wherever we are and whatever church we're in because there's no other way to live than 100% all in for God. And so we bled for God. We bled for that church and year after year after year, nothing, no fruit whatsoever. As a matter of fact, the church actually went from 120 in the first year down to 30 over the course of the next four years. And we had people just leave, it just hemorrhaged. We had people say all sorts of really mean stuff about myself, my wife, our family, my mother and father-in-law. And it was just really, really hurtful, really, really dark time in my life. And I don't think there's been, in reflection on my life previously, I don't think there's been another time where I've been in as dark a place uh, or had depression as bad as what I did in that time. And I just remember making some really bad choices in that season to not deal with the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, the brokenness that had come through not seeing any fruitfulness in our ministry and just the the harsh words and the things that people did to us. And I just remember getting so bitter at God and almost I I didn't want to deal with it because I was blaming him more than anyone else because it's sort of like, well, God, I've, I've bled for you and I've given my all for you. How come we're not seeing any fruit here? You know, how come you're not allowing that? There's, there's, there's no fruitfulness in our life, in our ministry. We're struggling. What's the go there? And so I got really bitter with God and uh, just decided not to deal for a very long time with a lot of the junk and the toxic issues that were in my life. And I just watched my life spiral down and out of control and it affected my marriage. It affected my family. And uh, my friends, the ministry that I was leading, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, as I said, I think it was probably the darkest, most depressing time of my life. The only other time, the only other time that I've been as depressed or in this darker spot is two days ago coming home on the bus from camp. With 25 young people who apparently went on strike from having a shower using soap or using deodorant. And I'm telling you, when I got on that bus to drive that home, it was like getting a right-hand hook from Muhammad Ali. I mean, that stench was rank. It just smashed me. I remember driving home. I've got the window open. I'm driving home like this at 110k an hour. I'm just like, Lord, take me now. Take me now. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. It stunk. I mean, your kids, they have no hygienic education whatsoever. They're on fire for God, which is great but they stink. So we'll deal with that. It's one step at a time, isn't it? If it had to be either or other, you'd rather be on fire for God. We'll work with the other thing. But I'm, I guarantee you, if you took a swab sample from underneath your young person's armpit, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll find at least three new strains of bacteria and fungi. That is rotting because that bus stunk. Darkest, darkest, one of the darkest days of my life. Apart from that season in ministry. But at the same time, There were some good choices in there as well that I made. And that's what enabled me to come up out of that dark place. And I had to actually break my pride. And I actually actually go and see a Christian psychologist. And I saw him for about 12 to 18 months, so did my wife, just to help us process some of that hurts and that brokenness, disappointment, all that kind of stuff that we'd never really had to uh, deal with on this type of deep level before. And long story short, we were able to come up and out of that dark place within 18 months. And we learned so much and we grew so much. And you know, part of the reason that I believe that we're here today is because we passed the test in that season 
and especially in breaking that pride, because I didn't want to go up first. It took me about three to four months to work up you know, the courage and the strength, thanks to God, to be able to break my pride, to go and see that Christian psychologist. And so here we are today, getting to speak to you guys and lead you and your young people. And it's just an absolute blessing, but I don't think we would be here if we hadn't made that choice. And so you know, I share that story to highlight this point, that the choices we make, to some degree, will always impact your life and the story you tell. The choices we make, to some degree or another, will always impact your life and the story that you tell. Think of it this way, and I want you to write this down. The choices you make yesterday determine the story that you tell today. The choices you made yesterday determine your life story that you're telling today. And in light of the new year that we've just entered into, I really want you guys to think about it. Think about it this way in moving forward. This next statement that I give, I want you to really internalize the power of it because it can really revolutionize your life, and it's this. It'll be up on the screen. Write this down. The choices you make today determine the story you tell tomorrow. The choices you make today determine the story that you tell tomorrow. So the big question I want to pose and I want to answer this morning is this. In light of what you've just heard, this should be up on the screen as well. In light of what you've just heard, how do we live a story in 2018 and onwards and beyond that we're proud of and that we want to tell? That makes a difference for eternity. Because we don't want to be that person that's lying on our deathbed. It's just full of regret. Looking back and saying, it was a life wasted. Because I made all the wrong choices and I'm not proud of the life that I've lived as a result of that. Wouldn't that be the saddest thing ever? We want to start making right choices. Choices that are going to lead us down a path that's going to help us create a story that we're proud of. And we're proud to tell to the generations to come. To our kids, to their grandkids when they're surrounded on our deathbed. We want to have made a difference in eternity. I know that's in our hearts, every single one of us. And I want to answer that. How do we live a life like that? How do we make the right choices to live such a worthy life to tell? See, there's a tension in our lives. And it's a tension we're all aware of, we can all relate to, and we all desire to resolve. And it's this. We can put that up on the screen. This is the tension. We all deep down want to live a story that's worthy of being told. But sometimes we struggle to know what the right choices are that need to be made to help us live that worthy story. We all want to, deep down inside, we all want to live a life that we're proud of, a story that will echo in all of eternity because we lived it well. We all want that. But sometimes it can get a little hard to work out, well, what's the right choice? What are the choices that are going to actually lead me down that path? And I've got a bit of an image that I just want to show up there. If we can put that image up there. I think all too often... We go through life with a desire and intention to live a story worth telling, but unfortunately, the reality of our story looks much different to the one that's in our heart, the one that we desire. And nine times out of ten, it's a direct correlation to the choices that we've made. If you look at that image up there, up on the screen, it says on the left-hand side of the spectrum there, you've got the story or life we desire to tell the life and the story that we really want to live. On the other side of it, we've got the life and the story that we're currently living. That's our current reality. And I think all too often, there's a too big a gap between the two. And the bigger the gap between those two, the larger and the greater the frustration and the regret. And so what I want to do this morning in the last few minutes that we've got together, out of a little portion of Scripture in Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, what I want to do is just highlight Two choices, two choices, that's it. Just two awesome choices that if we are aware of and are willing to outwork and apply to our life, 
it's going to help to no end on such an incredibly large scale in helping move you in the direction of starting to live a story that is actually worthy of being told, one that you can be proud of to share, not only in the next couple of weeks, months, and years, but in particular when we're on our deathbed, and as I said, we're surrounded by loved ones and family, one that we can't wait to share, we're so proud of, because we know that we've lived it well, and we've had an impact, not just on this earth, but for eternity. I believe that these two choices are incredibly, incredibly powerful. So if you want to turn to Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Hopefully it should be up on the screen for you, but if not... It's marked down there. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. It says this, Therefore, we are also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run the race with endurance that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right-hand throne of God. In this scripture, There are two key insights or principles that if we take a hold of and we choose to apply to our lives, obviously partnering with the Holy Spirit as well, that's a key component here, partnering with the Holy Spirit, it'll help us, as I said before, take steps in the right direction of living a life and a story that's worthy of telling. And these are the two choices that we're going to make. And I'm going to give you 365 days. It's not going to be something I'm going to ask you to do next week, next month. We're going to take a whole year out. That's how powerful I believe these two choices are, that if that's all you focused on for the next 365 days is making these two choices, I believe it will revolutionize your life. And as I said, help you take massive leaps towards starting to tell a story that's worthy of being told, that you can be proud of. The first one is this, you're going to stop carrying something that's currently crippling you and holding you back from living for God. That's the first choice you're going to make. And the second one, hopefully that should be underneath there. There it is. You're going to start a spiritual discipline that you are currently not doing that will help draw you closer to God. That's it. As I said, that's all, only two choices that you make this year. You're going to be heading in the massively in the right direction. So first one, let's go through the first one. First choice, you're going to stop carrying something that's currently crippling you and holding you back from living for God. First one says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, here it is, let us lay aside every weight. In other words, stop carrying the weight. The author of Hebrews right there is saying, let us lay aside. If you think about that, to lay something aside you're going to have to stop engaging in it. That's where the stop is. Because you're currently carrying something. You're currently carrying. You've been walking around with this weight that God never intended you to carry. And that's why it's crippling. That's why it's causing the mess in your life. And the uh, the author of Hebrews says, we need to lay that aside. So at some point, you're going to have to stop carrying it to be able to lay that aside. So that's ultimately what the author is saying. So that's going to be your first choice this year. You're going to stop carrying something that you know you shouldn't be. There's no greater hurdle or obstacle to us living a story worth telling than us carrying a weight that God never intended or meant for us to carry. No greater obstacle, I don't think. You know, the Greek meaning of the word weight. Actually, I I found this fascinating. This is what it means. A bulky, burdensome mass that causes a crippling, bending, or bulging from its load. And anyone that's ever carried or possibly carrying a heavy burdensome load that you know you shouldn't, you know, you know it's crippling. That description right there is so profound. You know, you can resonate with that, the crippling bending or bulging from its load. That's what we feel like spiritually, sometimes mentally, emotionally, physically. 
And it's all because we've chosen to carry a weight God never intended for us to carry. And as a result, it's crippling us. And as I said, it's not just spiritually. It can flow on over into all the other dimensions of our life, emotionally, mentally, physically, and it's taking us out of the race that the Hebrew uh, author is talking about there. But it's also taking us down, down a direction and a path where there's a story being created that we probably don't really want to tell in one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years' time because we're choosing to carry something that we're not. And that might be anger, it might be unforgiveness, it might be disappointment, regret, shame, whatever it might be. You know, you need to go to God and you need to find out, and that's what I'm about to share in a minute because there's a process I'm going to take you through to help you find out what's that one thing that God is going to ask you to take off this year. But you need to find that out and you need to go through the steps that we're about to give you guys to see you free of that. But you know what? I'm convinced. I'm convinced that we give way too much blame and credit to the devil for the mess and the parts of our story that we don't like. When in actual fact, and this is a little bit hard to hear, but we need to hear it. It's tough love sometimes. In actual fact, if we took the time out to look at our mess objectively and through untainted filters, we would realize we're actually probably more to blame than we'd like to admit. Because we held onto and carried something ill-fitting that we were never meant to carry. Now, in saying that, I don't want to minimize or take away from the challenge and the pain that you've either gone through or that you are going through. I'm, I'm not wanting to do that. At the same time, I want to acknowledge not always the mess that we're in is a direct result of wrong choices that we've made. I know there's stuff that happens outside of our control, and that can sometimes cause a bit of a mess as well. But what I am saying is that a lot of the time the mess is connected to what we are holding onto and carrying, not what the devil and others have done. The mess hasn't come from the event so much, but rather the anger, the bitterness, the disappointment, which a lot of the time are natural byproducts in the moment when a bad thing happens, but we've chosen to hold onto that and not give it over to God, not take it off and put it aside and stop carrying it. And that is what has caused the crippling effect in our life, not so much the actual event itself. So in saying that, what's our strategy in choosing to stop carrying just one thing this year that we shouldn't be carrying that's crippling us and stopping us from living a story that's worth telling? A, We've got four quick steps here that we're going to go through. And I believe if you follow this systematically, I believe that over time, you will absolutely get free of that thing that you are carrying that is crippling your life. I guarantee this is all based on biblical principles and whatnot. So it's guaranteed to work. God's word doesn't lie. First one is, A, we're going to take responsibility. We're going to take responsibility. We're going to quit blaming others and acknowledging that the mess isn't so much what happened, but rather is from us holding on to and carrying the stuff the anger, the disappointment, the frustration, the bitterness that we shouldn't be carrying and holding onto. Write this down. This is a powerful statement. So true. You aren't always responsible for what happens to you, but you are responsible for how you respond to it. You aren't always responsible for what happens to you, but you are responsible for how you respond to it. Let me tell you this. Whilst you live in the world of blame, blaming the devil, blaming others, You'll never see it as your responsibility to make the sometimes hard but right choices to improve your life despite the circumstances that you're in. There is an ability with the Holy Spirit and accountability that comes in being such a great family to be able to break through and get free of that thing that you are holding. There is no doubt about it. No doubt whatsoever. But at the end of the day, 
whilst you're blaming someone else and all your time and all your focus and all your effort is in the direction of blame, you're never going to be able to focus and channel your energy into actually making the right choices that are going to lift you up and out of that mess that you're in. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take responsibility. Second thing we're going to do, B, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal one thing in your life we're currently carrying that we shouldn't be that's weighing you down and crippling you the most. And wives, don't jab your husbands or point to your husbands right there. Yes, we just dealt with blame before. We are going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal one thing in your life that we're currently carrying that shouldn't be there, that's weighing you down and crippling you the most. That's a good place to start. There might be multiple things, but we're just going with the one. Because for most people, we don't have the capacity and ability to be able to work on two, three, four, five things at once, especially if they're, they're, they're heavy, burdensome issues in our life that have you know, really taken root and taken hold of our life. So that overwhelms us. But one thing, one thing most of us probably can do, especially if it's spaced over the course of 365 days. If we know we've got a whole year and all we have to do is focus on the one thing, most of us, we can do that. And we want to set ourselves up for a win here. So you're going to ask God, what's the one thing, one thing that's crippling you the most that you're carrying that you shouldn't be to work with? You can't and won't fix what you don't know is broken. You can't and won't fix what you don't know is broken. Hence the need to get before God and get the insight, the wisdom and the discernment of the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm encouraging you to get before God. This is going to be your homework to go home and start praying. And he's going to show you because he wants you free more than anyone else, more than you want yourself free. I mean, he sacrificed and gave his only son so that we could have life and life to its fullest. So I can guarantee God's going to show you what that one thing is. But you need to get before him and ask him because there's possibly many things that you could work on. But all I'm asking and all I believe God is even asking you for the time being is just the one thing. Just work on the one thing. So that's why you need to go before God to ask him that. See. Third thing we're going to do, we're going to ask God and the Holy Spirit for the power and the strategy to stop carrying the unnecessary weight. You know, for some people, it might be as simple as just going before God and praying and asking for the Holy Spirit and his strength and his boldness and the power that comes in and through the Holy Spirit to help them just stop carrying whatever that thing is. And some people, you might be able to, that's all it takes. And literally, you've got the determination and the self-will and drive to be able to just go, enough's enough, and I'm cutting that thing off. And that's brilliant. But for a lot of us, we might need something a bit more complex. We might need something that's a bit more detailed, a detailed process. And so this is where I really just encourage you. This is where you might need to get before God and ask for a strategy, not just the power. You're going to need the power, but you might need also a three, four, five step plan or something like that from the Bible that God will reveal to you. Or possibly, can I suggest even going to a Christian counselor, going to a psychologist, going to your senior pastors, your leaders. You know, can I just encourage you, don't let your pride get in the way. There is nothing to be ashamed of in reaching out and getting help. I did, and it was the turning point in my life. I probably wouldn't be here getting to minister in this incredible church to you guys and just living the most blessed life that I could had I not reached out and got the help to pull me up out of the spiral, the negative spiral that I was in and the stuff that I was carrying. And put it this way, which price do you want to pay? Which price do you want to pay? You can either pay the price now of overcoming your pride and getting the help if needed to help lift this burden that you're carrying um, and whatnot and be able to, in 5, 10, 30, 40 years' time, look back and go, you know what? I've got a story that I'm proud of, that I can't wait to tell. It's worthy of telling. And I can trace it nearly all the way back to that fork in the road where I could have got help and I overcame my pride or I didn't. And can I encourage you? Do that. Make the small sacrifice now because the long-term benefits are more than you could ever imagine. Or you could have the price to pay 
of sitting on your deathbed looking back and having a whole life full of regret because you didn't make or pay the small price earlier on to overcome your pride and get the help that we need. So can I encourage you guys, make sure that you're going to God and you're relying and you're asking for both the strategy and the power to do this because we are not designed to be able to live and do life on our own. God designed and created us to do life in relationship with him and in his power and in his strength. D, we're going to seek out, last one, we're going to seek out and ask for accountability. You know, Ecclesiastics 4.9, I'm not going to read it all, but you guys, most of you guys will probably know that verse. And it's a verse where it highlights the power of two or more being together. And when one falls, the other one's there to pick them up. And, you know, incredible, encouraging verse, but just highlights the power of needing to do life in community because that's how God's designed it. I mean, even God himself dwelt within community, within himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's in his DNA. And he created man, he created woman, that they would become one and they would cause family. They would create community. We were designed and created to do life together. We are bigger, better, and stronger together. We were never created intended to do life alone in our own strength. To the point where James says this in James 5.16. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another that you may be healed. That is a powerful, powerful point right there. In other words, what, John, what James is saying is that if you want to be healed from the weight that you're carrying and potentially the effects of that negative thing that you've been carrying, if you want to be healed of that, then you need to let a Christian brother or sister help you offload that weight and help you process that. You need someone that can stand with you and pray, that can help keep you accountable in that process, that can maybe go with you to maybe a counselor or something if you, if you needed it, that can pray and fast with you, that can encourage you and spur you on. We were designed to do life in community. You are going to need that accountability if you are going to want to be healed. We go to God to be able to get forgiveness for sin, but God says, hey, I want you to go sideways to your Christian brothers and sisters and do life with them if you want to be healed. It's still God working, but he works predominantly through other people, other Christians. So if you want to be healed, then we need to get some accountability around it. So there are our four points. So that's the first choice that we're going to make. The second one, I'm going to shoot this through this a lot quicker because it's the same four points again that we're going to go through strategy-wise in being able to set up a spiritual discipline in our life that's going to really help us draw closer to God. So I'm not going to bother going through it. You can go back through your own notes or get the podcast and listen to it. But here's the second choice. So the first one was we're going to stop carrying something that we know that we shouldn't be, that's crippling our life. This is the second choice that we're going to make. Let me get to it. That would probably help. You're going to start a spiritual discipline that you're currently not doing that will help you draw closer to God. Verse 2 in Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, this is what it says. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Another version says, and I love this one, it says, and let us start to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So the author of Hebrews has told us that we need to lay something aside. In other words, we need to stop doing something that we're currently doing carrying a weight that we shouldn't be. And now he's saying, now I want you to start something. You've got stop something, and now I want you to start. Start running. In this case, and in our context, I want you to start a spiritual discipline that you're currently not doing that will help you draw closer to God. You know, nothing will set your life up to be a story worth telling more than doing life up close and personal and intimately with God in the rhythms of his grace. He is our ultimate source and sustainer for everything. You will not be able to cope and live this life that he has called and purposed you to live without him living on the inside and empowering you from the inside 
out. It's like the whole vine and the tree. You know, the vine and the branch in John 15 that he talks about. You know, when the branch is connected to the tree, it gets everything, its sustenance and its nutrients, everything that it needs to be able to produce what God originally designed it to produce, which is foliage and fruit. But the minute that branch is disconnected, so that talks about, because when it is connected, that talks about intimacy. It's being grafted in. There's a real intimacy that, in that picture there. But the minute that that branch is disconnected, it's also disconnected from the source that it needs to be able to sustain it and produce exactly what God intended it to produce. And God intended you to live an incredibly influential story and a life that echoes in eternity, one that you can be proud of, a story that you are proud to tell, you're excited to tell. That's the, that's the fruit that God wants to come from your life. But if you disconnect yourself from God in any way, shape or form, you try and do this life for God, but without God, it is going to fail every day of the week. So we need to start disciplines that are going to help draw us closer to God this year. And that might be, can I get the band up? Bringing this in for landing. That may be a regular quiet time for you. Maybe at the moment you're only spending one, two days a week, maybe just a few minutes here and there with God, very sporadic. Maybe this year, your focus on your one spiritual discipline that God's going to ask you to do is just to get a regular quiet time, even if it's only 10, 15 minutes, just putting that time aside each and every day to draw closer to him. Maybe it's just prayer. Maybe God's asking you just to spend 5, 10, 15 minutes each day. Get a regular prayer time happening in your world. Maybe it's spending some time in worship. Maybe he just wants you to put some music on, play an instrument or whatever. And it's not necessarily a time where you're receiving as such. I mean, you will in those moments, but it's more just a time where you can just be still and know that he is God and just worship him and honor him for who he is. Maybe you just need that, part of your regular spiritual journey and relationship with God. Maybe it's you turning up to church a little bit more regularly every week, making a commitment to be a part of this family and this house, week in, week out. Maybe it's choosing to actually get a part of a connect group and really bed yourself into the life and the community of this church and start doing life, like I said there, in family. That was the fourth point, so important. That if we want to succeed and have a story that's worth telling, we need to do life with each other. The best way to do that is in a connect group. Not in this big corporate setting, in an intimate setting. So maybe you just need to find a connect group, get planted in and attend that regularly. Maybe for you it's a commitment to just finding out from God, realizing what your gift is, your spiritual gift. All of us have spiritual gifts. Maybe you just need to spend a bit of time, find out what that is, and find an area in the church that you can start outworking that gift, where you can start serving people and building the house of God. The list could go on and on. It's throughout a couple there. You need to get before God. That's going to be your homework. And find out what are the two choices that you need to make in terms of what, what it is that you need to stop carrying. What are you carrying at the moment that's crippling you the most? And God's asking you to put aside one whole year. You get to work on this. So you've got a long time. And then take that four-step strategy I gave you, and I can guarantee by the end of the year, heck a lot freer than what you are now and I believe you're going to be a completely different person so what's the one thing from God that you need to find out that you're carrying that you're not supposed to be and what's the one discipline this year that you're currently not doing you need to start doing that's going to draw you closer to God I believe that as you do so the closer you get to God the more intimately you are connected you're able to receive all that you that you need to be able to flourish to sustain you to be able to produce the fruit that God has intended your life to produce and that is a story you're proud of a story that's worth telling thanks for listening to this message from life source christian church mp3 audio lounge we invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources